Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in today. This is series 10, if you can believe it. Um, this is take two, the second series of Whistler Kids. Now, Whistler gets a lot of visitors, but for those that don't know, we have almost 12,000 people that actually live here. I know some of the tourists don't understand that, but we do. We have two elementary schools, one private school, and one high school in this pretty sweet community that we call Whistler. Now, Whistler does produce a lot of Olympic athletes, me being one of them, and I'm excited to share this uh, second series of Whistler Kids with you. I'll be chatting with a diverse group of Whistler Kids who grew up in our small Canadian mountain town, from writers to Olympians, business leaders, and all-around talented people who've come out of this Whistler town. Today is May 8th, 2023. Thank you again for dropping in today. This is episode 80. Now, let me introduce the guests that we will be dropping in with today. This guest has deep connection has a deep connection with Whistler. He learned to ski at Rainbow Ski Village, his family's business. He was a natural in competitive sport, receiving a ski racing scholarship in Montana. This is where he discovered a passion for business while spending his summers back in Whistler working for Whistler Excavations. He eventually returned to Whistler where he began his career in real estate, honing his expertise in acquisitions and development before stepping into his current role as president at West Group Properties, a leading real estate development and asset management firm based in Vancouver. Whistler remains his home. He divides his time between Whistler and the mountain town and is committed to giving back to his community. Seriously, he really is. He's an active volunteer as board director for the Whistler Development Corporation and has served in various capacities on housing and real estate committees and task force. Most recently, he has found that the Old School Initiative, for a non-for-profit focused on supporting snow and concrete-related sports participating athletes from Whistler and Pemberton. This son, father, brother, skier, president of West Group, volunteer and non-for-profit founder is someone I was lucky enough to grow up with. Let's drop in with Bo Jarvis. Hello, Bo. How are you? Hi. Is it is it kind of weird to hear all those escalades like together? <laughs> yeah, that's it's a it's like a I don't know, it's, it's a terrible bio to be honest. No, you've done <laughs> anyway. You've done a lot. You've done a lot. So we're all proud of you. Um, are you ready to get into the 10 question rapid fires that are never rapid so everyone gets to know you a little bit more? Sure am. Okay. Number one, where in the world are you today? I am in West Vancouver this morning. Awesome. Uh, this is one of my most favorite questions for Whistler kids. Um, and I feel like I may know the answer, but I'm not sure. Now, are you a Whistler or Blackcomb person? Oh, <laughs> jeez, that is a good question. Um, <clears throat> probably Whistler. Yeah. And like, and why Whistler? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I I skied probably the amount I've skied both mountains is close to equal in my life. But a Whistler, I don't know, like the big old softy, <laughs> right? I know. Well, I, I was saying that like my parents actually don't go on black home still. <laughs> is that right? 
like very like not like it's weird to see my family on black home so yeah. it's it's that uh, it's it's I remember your mom working the ski patrol hunt in whistler yeah exactly totally totally they are whistler through and through it's it's so it's interesting to hear people's perspectives yeah um okay number three what was your whistler hangout area when you're a kid and what is it now oh geez <clears throat> well <laughs> So when I was a kid in Whistler, there wasn't much, right? We've seen this crazy, it happened so quick. So when I was really young, um, there was, there was no hangout. There was, you were building stuff in the forest, building jumps with your BMX. Then the Whistler Wonderland happened. I don't know if you, you remember that Oh, the that arcade, the arcade. Yeah, in yeah, the, yeah. In the, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, like tourism the Whistler offices. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that was like the hangout. Uh, and then my hangout now is, uh, I probably, well, I mean, I, I hang out at Joey Gibbons house, really. (laughs) There you (laughs) go. That's where, that's where we hang out or we use, you know, we, we go up to Anderson Lake and Braylor and Goldbridge a lot and stuff like that. So Whistler's like almost a staging ground now. Yeah. Amazing. Hub. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, okay. Number four. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Ooh, probably morning person. Morning person? Like how early are we talking? Not too early. I mean, we got, we have five kids and we got to get them up at like, you know, 6.30, in the morning to get them out on the school bus. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. which is, that's probably a bit early. Okay. Oh, yeah. so this is, this is a good segue into number five. How do you start your day having five children? Which I always Chaos. thought was like mind blowing. I was like, oh my Chaos. gosh, Bo has five kids. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. it's, cha- <laughs> it's chaos. How, how old are your kids? Um, so we, we have a, quite the spectrum. We had last year, we had a kid going to kindergarten and a kid going to university in the same year. <laughs> so all from the same wife, right? Because when someone hears that spectrum, they're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. it must be a joining family or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. No, uh, so 19, 15, 13, uh, 9, almost nine and six. Wow. Yeah. Kudos. Yeah. Your wife is a, nice. a, an amazing human. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Number six. Would you rather choose a book or watch Netflix? Ooh. Jeez, probably fifty-fifty <laughs> on that. I'd probably lean towards a book. Yeah, like are you a, like a nighttime book reader? Because I find that helps me get to sleep. Yeah, I'm a nighttime book reader for yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah. Anything that you've like binged on TV shows or anything lately? Um, I've been binging on Succession. Oh yeah, that one's kind of dark. Yeah, I watching yeah, that's that a too. good one. Uh, White <laughs> Lotus is uh, something yeah. that is kind of mind blowing. It's such an uncomfortable television show to watch, <laughs> which I think is the point. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, those are probably my last binges. Nice. Okay. I just like to get to like, I don't know. It's nice to know what other people are watching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number seven, name one thing. And I know I've learned a lot of things. Name one thing you've learned the hard way. Mm, like my whole life I've learned the hard way. I feel like. <laughs> um, one, thing I've, one thing I've learned the hard way is probably. Oh, geez, that's a really tough question. I, I swear I, I honestly learn everything the hard way. That's fair. That's a fair I have, There's no, I've never really had any easy lessons. I've, my entire life is learning the hard way. Yeah. 
And over and over again. And like, over and over <laughs> and over again. It makes me think of when I was concussed. I was like, yeah, I'm way better. And then I'd like set myself back and be like, yeah. okay, done that like 10 times. Like yeah. figure it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Everything. That is life. Everything. I think that's the way life Everything. goes. How to be a dad, how to be a husband, how yeah. to be an athlete, how to be a person in business. It's all been hard. Every single fucking thing of it. <laughs> nice. Um, number eight talking about being an athlete what would be your favorite sport uh skiing and skateboarding that's an you easy skateboard? answer Why did I, know you, I didn't know you skateboarded yeah i just stopped i guess maybe a couple of years ago now okay well in whistler that was all we had right so in because there isn't enough kids for sports teams back then so mm-hmm. that's the thing right like Whistler today and what's in our minds was just so different. And you would remember part of that as well. But so we, uh, yeah, you skied in the winter. That's all there was. That was the only curriculum based sport um, was skiing. And then in the summer you could play tennis or skateboard and I wasn't playing tennis. And so, (laughs) um, yeah. So I got, that's actually my, that's the last board I skated on right there. Oh, right behind you. A couple of years ago. Yeah, nice. so I would still hit the bowl on weekends and stuff like that. And, um, but when you're the, I think one of the what you get the concrete gets harder when you get older when you're skateboarding. And <laughs> no so doubt. I had a pretty good wipeout at the bottom of the bowl, and there was a couple kids that came up to me and they said, Sir, are you all right? <gasps> oh, no. So, no. And <laughs> yeah. And then oh. I was like, Okay. But it's crazy. Like, um, some of the, skateboarders that were sort of my heroes like the bones brigade steve caballero tony hawk and stuff like that i was watching footage um or content on instagram from steve caballero who is 58 years old right almost 60 years old and completely airing on a vert ramp still like just mind-blowing which is so awesome yeah yeah mad respect i'm not not. (laughs) you hung it up behind you i still ski absolutely as much as i can for sure. I know. We saw each other in the chairlift this yes. year. It was awesome. I yes. love that. That's what I love about our community. Yeah. Um, okay. No, we're almost done. Number nine, lake or mountain? Oh, both. Both. Yeah. Whistler. Yeah. <laughs> we have them all. Yeah. Well, I'm not both. They're very important. <laughs> they are. Awesome. Okay. Number 10, the last question, which um, which I don't even know how what I would choose. But what's one core memory from your childhood in Whistler? <laughs> They're not easy questions. I have so but... many. I mean, I think one of my my mo- I'm a I'm pretty nostalgic about Whistler, so I have like lots of Whistler nostalgia in my house in Whistler. I just got a um, an old gondola delivered, like one oh, of the original nice. gondolas. I've been searching one for like 16 years, and finally got my hands side? on one. The What's Creekside that? one, the Creekside yeah, yeah, yeah. silver the ones, yeah, silver one, yeah. And so I haven't got it open yet. I'm trying to see if my initials are in there. Oh my gosh! Um, but the my favorite memories were summer, um, and it was such a quiet, quiet place um, back then. And we just, you know, there's no like cell phones or anything. And I'd get up in the morning. I was telling describing this to someone just the other day, and and you you get on the phone and you have all of your friends' phone numbers memorized. Yeah. And you just dial them all and it's like, okay, meeting at Lost Lake or, you know, West Side Road, Wayside Park, whatever. Um, you get on your BMX, you got your backpack 
and your towel and you're basically gone and you just got to be home for dinner. And we used to go into the village, um, which was much smaller. They didn't have a lot. It was just half the size. But we would go into the garbage bins and get bottles and cans (laughs) because we didn't have any money. And you'd take them to the grocery store to get freezies and then you'd get on your BMX and back to Lost Lake or whatever. And yeah, those are my those are my favorite memories. Not with like obviously, there's so many with skiing and skateboarding, all this kind of stuff. But summer in the Whistler, when I in sort of grade five, six, and seven, when you're just this freedom and yeah, it was incredible. So awesome, I love that. Well, that's the rapid fire. People got to know you a little bit better. All right, and I do want to dive deep into like what Whistler is now compared to what it was then. And you did touch on that in the in the questions, in the sense that like there was like really not much here. Like I, re- I remember um, the elementary school was a portable, like right by the gateway lights now. So like, I, I can you give like a kind of description of like the growth and what happened and how it occurred? Yeah. I mean, based on, I mean, I, and obviously there was, there was Whistler even before our family moved there. So our family moved there in like 73 or 74. Okay. Um, the keg restaurant was down on Alta Lake. That's why we moved there. My dad went to Whistler to run the keg. Um, And there was like four restaurants. There was the keg. There was La Pre, which turned into Dusty's. Yeah. So um, there was a rest. There was an old restaurant at the Creekside Gondola. That was called La Pre. Um, There was Rudy's Steakhouse and Nestor's. Um, (laughs) And then then Bo's Restaurant at Rainbow Ski Village, which was our family's place. Um, and so, um, yeah, it was super small, right? Like, so there was, I don't know, five, 600 full-time residents. Mm -hmm. Um, and in the summers, as I said, and, and in the fall, like early fall, it was just like, there was nobody like there's just logging trucks, right. Ripping down the road. The, some of the highway was oiled down dirt. All of the subdivisions, the roads were oiled down dirt. Like there was, they weren't paved. Right. Um, and so it was like, vastly different <laughs> from oh what it is God. today Amazing. i went to myrtle phillip the what you just described there was there was more than there was a school there so that's under like high steakhouse right now yeah um and that was the original myrtle phillip um and like i i knew myrtle phillip <laughs> <laughs> no way <laughs> um matters that. there's a there's a there's a picture that like that's on at the museum or whatever with like all the kids around Myrtle Phillip. I'm like just above her. Oh um, and then, um, yeah, we we went to high school in Pemberton because there's no high school in Whistler. Yeah. So we you guys would have there. to bus up there. Yeah. That's Every day. Else. Yeah. Our family actually moved up there for like grade 10, 11 and 12. We had a small acreage up there and then we moved back to Whistler after. Um, But yeah, it's like and so Whistler then versus today is it's just like night and day. The crazy thing is it it happened really fast. Right. You Mm -hmm. think about the growth of a, a small town. Um, the, the, this growth was rapid, right. From an urban planning perspective, from a population perspective, from a, like a demand on infrastructure perspective is rapid. Um, so it's, it's hard to even, you got to hold on to the memories of back then because it's hard to remember. It moves so quickly. It's hard to remember what it was like. And for, for your like point of view from your business perspective now and looking back and reflecting, are you like, mind blown how quickly it went totally mind blown yeah 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 yeah, it's crazy it's crazy 
And it's like, I feel like it's been like never ending since I, yeah. since we moved here in 95 full time, yeah. but, but obviously our parents are friends and knew yeah. each other way back when. Yeah. So <laughs> it's crazy. I do want to talk about the rainbow ski village. Sure. Can you, can you explain, explain that to our listeners and viewers? Yeah, well, the, the what is now the Rainbow Subdivision with the gas station and the, <laughs> the my favorite coffee shops there. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a, that was a little ski hill. It had three rope toes. It had um, a ski jump, a Nordic jump. So like the Canadian Nordic jumping team would practice there. Yes. Um, when we operated, the jump was like starting to become dilapidated, and we'd like hike up on there, and my mom would be screaming at us, "Get off of there!" <laughs> Um, and there was some night skiing and there's a restaurant called Bo's restaurant and a bar ski shop. My mom helped to open one of the first real estate offices in the back of rainbow. Um, and yeah, it was just this little ski hill and there was, it was funny. There's, um, it was kind of two runs and two rope toes and then a little bunny rope, like a smaller rope toe. And in the middle, there's this like tree Island and there was like this luge track that formed in the middle of the tree island with a jump that just flew you out onto one of the runs and that was what we kind of did all day and you you know fly out into people skiing down and they'd get all upset and there was a, <laughs> a little tower above the restaurant that you'd climb up in on a ladder and there was a, a microphone there and the, you could stop all the lifts from there oh and gosh. allow and my mom would get on the microphone and she'd be screaming at us get out stop jumping in the middle <laughs> of the run stop that like yeah oh that's awesome so it's fun yeah and like lots of you always hear people lots of people learn to ski there um no i'm wondering if i went there what's that i'm wondering if i went there if my parents would have taken me yeah yeah, i'm sure your well for sure your parents would have eaten at the restaurant yeah sure they did and there was like i said night skiing there and yeah i mean so and then um they, they shut it down there was a few really bad snow years in the valley and it became quite economical to operate and so they shut it down and the Canadian military actually came and grabbed all the rope toes and gear and took it to like Alberta where they were, they had a little ski hill that they were trying to get going. No way. Wow. Yeah. I love that history. That's super yeah. cool. Um, and then I want to get into like, uh, you probably then went to Whistler Mountain and how did you get into ski racing? Cause you got this, um, you went to Montana on a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, there, it was the only curriculum-based sport in Whistler. It's all you, right. you could only do that. Yeah. And there was but a you few were really, that, but you were really good at it. Well, I mean, <laughs> good, good at the time. I mean, you know, there's lots of um, my friends, our friends that yeah. made it. You know, that took it further than I did. And um, you know, obviously, like Davey getting in the Olympics and people like okay. yourselves. Um, I didn't go that far. Um, but yeah, it was the only thing you could do. Um, I didn't. I again, you talked about uh, what's the hardest lesson you've learned in life, or whenever. What are your rapid fire questions? Yeah. I wasn't a natural okay. at it. I wasn't really a natural at anything, um, and I was just a harder worker than everyone. Um, and mm. that's and I that's my claim to fame is really just I'll, I'll outwork you, um, <laughs> and yeah. and beat you, uh, and so um that's that's what i did and um and it was it was awesome because back then um you had the you had a black home ski club and a whistler ski club yes now it's all amalgamated um but so there was quite a rivalry in the valley which was really cool um and you know guys on the black home club hated the guys on the whistler club (laughs) um 
and you know, and we'd be riding the bus to school, the Pemberton, and some guys are in the Blackcomb Club, some on the Whistler Club, and they sat on different sides of the bus. And um, <laughs> love it. Love um, it. So no, it was uh, ski racing was awesome. I mean, you know, it. it um, I still to this day believe that you know to get the proper foundation, depending no matter what uh, direction you want to take in skiing, whether it's big mountain freestyle ski or cross or whatever, the best foundation is ski racing. Um, and you see that, right? Like you see, you know, like Stan Ray, I mean, he's, I see this guy doing all this. I think he's been on your podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he, I see all kinds of content about that guy and he started ski racing. Totally. Um, and did very well at it. Um, and so, yeah. I, I also uh, started skiing. <laughs> what's that? I also started skiing. You did skiing. too. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I don't know. That's kind it's of scary awesome. for me. And... Oh, that's so cool. And then Montana, like when you were in Montana, would you miss being in Whistler? I know it's like still like mountain towny, but in the States, a little bit different. Yeah, um, I did actually. Um it was, uh, I mean, it was, first of all, I was coming from Whistler and I drove down by myself to Montana. Um, and I, I got stuck at the border cause I screwed up all the paperwork. And so I arrived instead of when I was supposed to arrive and be welcomed, <laughs> I arrived not be, and I, I was in the, uh, a dorm that was co-ed and it was the sports dorm. So fo- male football team, uh, oh. female male ski race team, female male basketball, and female volleyball, all in this one dorm. And that's I arrived a, that's on a, a game changer being with like different sports. Oh yeah, it was crazy. And I arrived on a Saturday night, and it was just chaos in this place. <laughs> I want it's probably not even appropriate for this podcast in terms of what I saw with my own eyes. Um, and I went to the phone booth, and I phoned my dad, and I was like, I'm, "I want to come home. I want to oh, come no. home." And he's just like, just, you know, give it a day. Um, But it was great. Uh, I I missed Whistler all the time, though. Went home to Whistler as much as possible, including for like training camps and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But what was cool about down there is, you know, um, the United States has some really neat ski resorts. And you've probably been to tons of them. um, Where it's like super core culture, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, like um, I could name like Bridger Bowl, uh, in Montana, Schweitzer, Sun Valley, um, you know, like there's Telluride, there's all these really cool core ski towns. And when I say core, it's like this hardcore culture and ski shops. And it's just yeah. like, it's a, it's a really cool vibe. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed that, but I mean, there's nothing like home, right? Totally, totally. And it's, that must've been challenging go from like, like you said earlier, Whistler, even when I grew up, there weren't really sports teams. So like mm-hmm. to go from like such a small community to like being with football players and stuff like that, that's kind of <laughs> similar. Funny. It's similar for me going like Whistler to like going to the Olympics and being yeah. like, well, I haven't really hung out with hockey players before, but now we're great <laughs> friends. <Yeah. laughs> totally. totally. So funny. Um, a fun fact uh, for our listeners and viewers that, yeah, there was no high school in Whistler. And you did touch on that earlier and getting bussed up to, to Pemberton. Um, I think that's that's something that's really cool. I was actually the first um, grade to go into the high school. That was grade seven through 12 here. Um, and so I'm going a little claim to fame at that school. But um, I do want to touch on what you're doing now for kids with the old school initiative. Mm-hmm. So you said you snow sports and then concrete sports 
and now we understand because you are a skateboarder, the concrete comes into play. Um, what, what made this come about? Um, you know, I think that there's a bunch of people, you said it in your, um, in your intro, how, um, Whistler has sort of bred lots of talented people. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm not, I'm not referring to myself as talented by any means, but I think there's a bunch of people that have gone on to have a moderate level of success, um, that still have a major connection to the Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could, you know, like, you know, the, the founders of one of the founders of Land Yachts, which is a huge yeah. skateboard kind of company, long longboard company. He grew up with us in Whistler, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, and, and there, I could name a whole bunch of people like that. And so there's they have this connection with the valley and they're interested in giving back to the community. And so um, I just I was I started I was kind of doing it myself in a really ad hoc way where people you know, I was people, I should, it was the real wild kittens that really started everything, to be honest, um, which is like the coolest skateboard program on the planet for little girls. And, um, and I just uh, brought one of my girls there that day and it was free. And I was like, what you, you girls are giving away free skateboarding lessons and you show up every Friday, no matter what. And they're like, yep. And I was like, this is incredible. Like, and so they at the time, Juliet Pelched and her sister Billy and Maggie Crompton, they were like, that was three years ago. So I don't know. They must have been like 16, 15 years old and they're doing this. And how community minded, right? Like, I don't even, I don't understand. It's such a, their parents did such a great job. Yeah. to have these kids that are that community minded. Right. Totally. Um, and so I just started asking them if they needed support because I, I had been thinking about starting a curriculum based skateboarding program Okay. and trying to figure out like a skateboard club or whatever. And that right at that same time, the real wild kittens and the Whistler skateboard club, mm-hmm. they basically started. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God. So, and I started talking to them all and, and how do you make these programs sustainable in the Valley? Right. Like, yeah, how, how, cause you know, there's so many fits and starts with different programs where they start for a year or two and they fizzle off because it's hard, right? It's yeah. hard to um, get these programs going in the Valley. And so I wanted to make sure that they were sustainable and had some longevity. And so I just continued to offer support, awesome. um, whether it was financial, buying all their merchandise for them to go and sell and make money. We, we still do that to this day. Uh, their hardware, helmets, pads, uh, skateboards, um, and then I was like, okay, I, I should maybe call this something yeah, and get it organized. And so I came up with the name, the old school initiative, because it's, I, de- I described earlier, there's some people that have had kind of from the Valley that have moderate success. They're kind of old schoolers now, yeah. I guess, including myself. Um, and so it's just, yeah, the old school initiative. And we focus primarily on concrete and snow, yeah. Whistler and Pemberton. Cause there's lots of stuff for mountain biking and all this other stuff. And yeah. um, we sponsor four athletes um, okay. and who are awesome. Like our athletes are fucking killing it. <laughs> like seriously, like who, who are your athletes? One, what's that? Who are you? Do you know, can you name them? All? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Juliet Palchet, yeah. member of the Canadian snowboard team, yeah. Truth Smith, 
yeah. Canadian snowboard team, uh, as well as like both of those two are insane skateboarders. Yeah. Um, and um, Broderick Thompson, he's a senior member of the men's downhill squad. He came ninth in the Hanencom at Kitzbühel this year. Yeah. And Emmeline Bennett, skier cross, who won world juniors this okay. year. Okay, cool. And so like these athletes are killing it. Don't don't worry, don't worry, Bo. Three, two, at least two of those will be, and the real wild kittens will be on this series, as is True Smith, and I'm hoping to get Broderick as well. Oh, good. <laughs> so, yeah. so the, I didn't even plan that. <laughs> there you go. I love, and yeah. So we support them financially and with what all kinds of. They're coming down uh, this Friday. Actually, they were interested in brands, so in particular, Juliet and Truth. And Juliet obviously has the real wild kittens, which I just think female skateboarding is such an un untapped market. Mm -hmm. And she's like got this really cool brand, and so we're bringing them down to Vancouver to meet with some brand specialists. Awesome. Um, and we're bringing them to Supra Distribution, which is one of the largest skateboard kind of clothing and gear distribution companies in Western Canada. Um, and they're going to get a whole schooling on how to identify brands and all that. And so we can help that way too, right? With yeah. our connections and, and, and just people who want to give back that way. And so that's, that's really so cool. Huge. That's so huge. That's awesome. you're, like, you're like the mentor for them. Yeah. Well, and we also Amazing. hook them up with people like, so Emmeline, who's in skier cross, um, mm -hmm. we got her hooked up with Ashley McIver, who I used to coach. Um, and so there's, there's some mentorship relationships, mentor mentee relationships happening yeah. as well. So any, all of that stuff, if we can do that, we can do it. We'll That's do it. so awesome. Bo, yeah. you're crushing it and like really yeah. helping the community thrive, which is really what I think Whistler is all about. I talk about the community and how amazing we are at helping each other and, and you are, um, you are doing it. So it's yeah, awesome. It's fun. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find out more information about the Old School Initiative? Um, Oldschoolinitiative.com is the website. Um, and then um, at Whistler Old School on Instagram. That's where you can see everything we do. Um, and, and we're like, you know, we're terrible at Instagram. <laughs> we'll like do six posts in like four days and then we won't post again for four months. And like, so we're, but that's, it's, <laughs> We're just all not good. good at that stuff. We're no. old. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. It gives people an understanding of what it is yeah. all about. Yeah. Bo, I want to thank you so much for dropping in today. Um, some of my takeaways from this is that for people that are coming to Whistler or are new to Whistler, it has transformed. It has transformed yeah. into something that is very different than what you grew up in, than what I grew up in. But I mean, it's pretty awesome place to be. And the community is really what grounds everyone. Um, and it's, and it's always great to give back to the community. So anything that you want to add to the listeners and viewers out there? No, thanks very much for having me. Definitely everybody check out old school initiative and um, the more kind of that we can grow that, the more people we can sponsor and make sure that these sports are sustainable and these programs are sustainable. Awesome. Thank you so much for dropping in. Thanks, Mercedes. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Okay. Thanks so much for dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks, DJ Kenosis, for the music and my mom for the intro voice.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.